What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Gridiron Authority Podcast. Looking forward to week eight in the NFL season. My name is Keith Thornton, and with me, as always, my co-host, Mike Adams. Mike, what's up? Oh, we have a ton to talk about this week. We've got a, an epic fail from Daniel Jones. We've got an epic epic upset from uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we got Justin Herbert staking a claim in the MVP race, potentially. Uh, Nick Foles criticizing his own coach. Carlos Dunlap demanding a trade and receiving it. Uh, trades and cuts starting to happen in the NFL. Uh, and this is all leading up to the trade deadline. So we have a ton to cover today. All right, let's get into it. All right, let's get started with uh, a familiar face coming back. We talked about him a couple of years ago, actually last year. Um, Antonio Brown is officially back, signed a one-year deal with Tampa Bay. To be completely honest with you, last year, I didn't think we'd ever hear from this guy again. I thought he was completely done, but apparently Tom Brady loves the guy. What do you think of the signing? Uh, I mean, I think it's a good signing. They're they're not they're not giving up really anything to get him. I mean, it's kind of like the Chiefs signing Le'Veon Bell. They're not really paying too much to to actually have this potential amazing talent you know we don't know what Antonio Brown we're going to get but you know if Antonio Brown is 80 percent of what Antonio Brown was uh you're still getting a, a pretty damn good receiver and and now you know you line him up in the slot with with uh, Mike Evans and Godwin on the outside and then you have Gronk at tight end or OJ Howard or whoever else you want to throw out there uh, plus Ronald Jones running the ball. You got Leonard Fournette coming back healthy now. I mean, this the the Buccaneers. I mean, they're they're a legit team right now. Um, they've had a couple sloppy weeks, but other than that, they've you know they've kind of dominated everybody they've played outside of their two losses. Honestly, so um, I think it's going to be two to three, maybe four weeks, really, before we actually see Antonio Brown make an impact. I think he's going to come in. I think he's going to, you know, play some snaps and maybe make some plays here and there. But uh, again, you're not really going to see what he's fully capable of until probably week 11 or 12 or somewhere around there, honestly. But uh, I think it's a great signing by the Buccaneers. So um, getting a potential superstar for, for little, little to no money, honestly. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is when you're looking at him on the Raiders with John Gruden as an explosive personality, there wasn't a lot of – it's not like Derek Carr's this big team leader. Obviously, he didn't work with the Raiders, and he was a he was really a cancer to the whole locker room. And then you look at when he went to the Patriots, if not for his off-the-field conduct that the Patriots didn't have anything over. I mean, he came in, he had one good game with him and caught a touchdown from Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady's leadership can rein him in a little bit, and, and hopefully he's humbled. I mean, he, he, he was one of the top – wide receivers in the league before all this went down. Um, it, it's kind of a – it was a train wreck to watch, but I, I'm all for giving people second chances, and I really hope it works out for him. Yeah, and, and and then speaking of kind of second chances, you also have Des Bryant signing with the Ravens practice squad. Uh, I don't think he'll make as big an impact as Antonio Brown could potentially make, but you know, I think give him two to three weeks to get back into football shape, maybe four weeks to really get back into football shape and, and he could be that red zone target that Lamar Jackson needs, uh, over in Baltimore. Um, I think anyone that thinks he's going to come in and be an eight catch, you know, 90 yard and, and one touchdown, you know, a game guy is crazy, but again, down in the red zone, um, it takes some pressure off of Andrews and, and gives, uh, 
Lamar Jackson another target to uh, to throw to. So I think that's a that could be an under the radar signing uh, that could come back and 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 sway some things in the playoffs potentially. Absolutely. And that's not all the transactions we have this week because the trade deadline is Tuesday. The NFL's last chance for teams to to better their team. We've got a couple big trades so far and a few potential trades. Let's go over Carlos Dunlap after a, a long career with the Bengals getting traded to the Seahawks. What do you think of this one? Uh, it's a good move by the Seahawks. Uh, they didn't really give up too much to get him. I want to say it was a conditional sixth-round pick or something like that. Actually, uh, I think it was a seventh and a player, but the player was not a good player. Okay, there it is. Uh, it was Everson Griffin was a conditional six. Sorry, we'll get to yeah, that in a yeah. minute. Um, I, I think it's a good move by them. They need they need help from the pass rush situation, defensive end. Um, Carlos Dunlap was starting to get a little cancerous in, in Cincinnati. He was even told to stay home. Uh, and not come to the facilities. Part of that, I think, was because the trade was in process in the process. But I think the other part of it is uh, you're starting to become a distraction, and we don't want you here right now. Um, so for for the Seahawks, I think it's a great trade. The 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 Bengals. I mean, they get some capital back from him. Uh, they dump his salary, which wasn't very high, but you know they get a draft pick back from him, a player that you never know could turn into somebody. Um, uh, you know, the Cowboys traded Chardavius Ward, an undrafted rookie free agent a couple years ago. Now he's a starter on the defending Super Bowl champion. So um, not a great, great, you know, amazing player, but, you know, he's still making an impact. So um, you probably want him back now. We don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we will uh, talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I mean, it, it's it's a win-win trade for for them. I mean, for everybody, the Bengals get a little draft capital, and and uh, the Seahawks get a good veteran pass rush presence. So, uh, I think it's a win-win. I will say, look for something to happen. I I saw a salary cap expert posted that the Seahawks don't even have the cap to eat Carlos Dunlap's uh, contract, so they have to make a move before this week's game to free up some cap space. So I'm kind of interesting to see what happens there, but um, I expect something to happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're usually pretty good with the salary cap, so they must have something already, already planned or uh, they got to have some sort of fallback um, that they're going to rely on to, to make room for Dunlap. Yep. And let's talk about Everson Griffin. I mean, this it's kind of shocking. I know that the defense hasn't been very good this year, but you look at who's now gone. Um, Everson Griffin traded. They cut, Don Terry Poe, obviously they cut Gerald McCoy when he got hurt. They cut the corner. Um, this team's starting to shed some players that they signed this offseason. What do you think? Uh, I mean, it's not surprising. Some of the guys just didn't work out. I, I think Everson Griffin, it was uh, really to make room for, for Randy Gregory. Um, and they got a, a conditional six-round draft pick back out of him. So, um I, I hated to see Everson Griffin go, though. He's a good uh, good locker room guy, and, I mean, from a physical standpoint, the guy's a freak. Uh, I mean, he, he was a good player. He had he had some impact plays for the Cowboys. Um, surprising move by the Lions. Um, it shows that they're, you know, at 3-3 three and three, that they're adding players. They're not dumping players. So um, they must have a legitimate belief that they can make a playoff push. Um so it was, it was, I think, a more interesting trade from the Lions' perspective, honestly. So, um, but the Don Terry Poe uh, release isn't surprising. They signed him to a two-year, I think, ten million dollar deal. Um, he started six or seven games, but he's only got, I think, nine tackles on the season with no sacks. Uh, and then Daryl Worley, he uh, 
I mean, he started, I think, three or four games at cornerback. He played a little safety here and there, but he also gave up several big plays. I'm pretty sure he was the cornerback on the the big 80-yard bomb in the Arizona game uh, last week. Um, he was, on, he was I think, a one-year $5 million deal or $4 million deal. Um, I mean, it, some of the moves aren't surprising. Um, it'll be interesting what I'm – more interested to see is if they decide to make a big move um, in terms of some of their more elite players. And I'm talking about Joey Gallup uh, or not Joey. uh, Sorry, Michael Gallup, uh, Jalen Smith, um, those kind of guys. There's been rumors that those guys could be available. Um, Xavier Woods at safety, Connor uh, Williams at guard. Um, those kind of guys could potentially be available for the right price. And they're saying that Jerry Jones is, is, uh, talking about a, an unexpected deal being made before the trade deadline. So those are the guys that I'm, I'm kind of watching to see what happens. Um, I'd hate to see them go, but if they get the right compensation for them, I'd be, you know, obviously I'd be okay with it, but, um, I prefer they keep those guys, honestly, though. To me, it kind of looks like the Eagles from several years back when they assembled the quote unquote dream team, like on paper, this Cowboys defense looked like it was going to be amazing. Adding guys like Don Terry Poe, Gerald McCoy, um, adding Everson Griffin, all these people. Plus you got Randy Gregory and, and Alden Smith. It looked like this was going to be an unstoppable defense. And all I've done this year is uh, nothing. So I think this, what you're seeing is Jerry Jones pissed off. He's pissed that he went out and he did what he thought was right by signing all these guys and it has produced basically no results. So um, I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, to see kind of a, I don't want to say unloading of talent, but at at this point, something's got to change on that team. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. Yeah. And and I think, like you said, Jerry Jones being pissed off. uh, I I think this is him saying that no one's safe, uh, that we just signed these guys. We expected most of these guys to be here for a couple years and they're gone, not even midway through the season. So um, I think this is a statement along with, you know, uh, 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 a money move, basically getting, you know, dumping salary. But I also think it's a, a statement as well. So for sure. All right, let's jump on a couple other potential trades before we get to the Cowboys in. And look at some guys like Julio Jones, or uh, there's even word today that Stephon Gilmore in New England put his house on the market. You know, if you read into that, on on the surface of it, it doesn't say much, but they say that NFL players obviously are busy during the NFL season, and very rarely do they put their house on the market unless they're leaving. For instance, Tom Brady did the same last year in New England, and then he left at the end of the year. So um, what all are you hearing out there? Yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of rumors. I've I've heard uh, uh, Matt Ryan. I've heard uh, Julio Jones. Stephon Gilmore. That was the first time I'd heard that today um, about him potentially being traded. He's the reigning NFL Defensive Player of the Year, but the Patriots are kind of falling apart at this point. And uh, Bill Belichick has never been afraid to make a move um, if he feels like it's for the betterment of the team in the now and in the long term. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me and they could get a lot back for Stefan Gilmore. I mean, there's, there are teams out there that, that would give an arm and a leg to get Stefan Gilmore. Um, so if Bill Belichick feels like that's the right move, he's going to make that move. Uh, same thing with Julio Jones. I mean, you're, you're going to get a fortune for Julio Jones, despite the fact that he's getting up there in age for a wide receiver a little bit. Um, but imagine what, you know, if, if they go call him to the Las Vegas Raiders and say, Hey, you know, Julio Jones is available, what you got, uh, or to the Baltimore Ravens, 
who need that kind of receiver. Um, you know, they, they may be tempted to, to throw out a first round pick or a first and a third or a second and a fourth or something along those lines, um, to get a Julio Jones. There's also AJ Green in Cincinnati. Who's, who's unhappy. It seems like he hasn't publicly demanded a trade, but behind the scenes, it, um, it seems like he wants out John Ross for Cincinnati as well. If you're looking for a big play guy, um, someone to stretch the field and open up the defense a little bit, John Ross could be that guy. Um, if you can keep him healthy. Um, I'd almost like the Chiefs to go out and get him just so I could, just so they can line up Tyreek and John Ross and run them side by side every play. Uh, <laughs> and Nicole uh, Hardman now, yeah, and Nicole, yeah. uh, and Nicole Hardman, and I mean even Robinson, who's got some pretty good speed to him. He'd he'd lose to the, those three, but he he would hang for a little bit. Um, so I mean there there's a lot of those those guys out there, and and again we talked about some of the guys that the you know, these underachieving teams like the Cowboys could look to dump the guys like Jalen Smith and Michael Gallup. Um, could the Texans be looking to make a trade to get back some draft picks? Um, could they look to dump J.J. Watt right now? Um, guys like that, uh, Will Fuller, um, their season's essentially lost. They're likely not going to make the playoffs. Um, so they could look to, to you know, put themselves in a position to make a big impact in the offseason. Um, by starting that right now. So we could be seeing guys like that. So um, Michael Thomas for the Saints, there's word that uh, he wants out of uh, New Orleans. So um, again, that's someone that teams, you know, again, those Baltimore's, Oakland's, teams like that would give up an arm and a leg to get someone like Michael Thomas. So um, I I think these next five or six days are going to be really, really interesting. Yeah, and I think at this point, this is when you see the teams that are going to tank and the teams that are going to desperately try. We talked about the Lions. Um, they're at three and three, and if it wasn't for one drop pass in week one, they're four and two, and in really good shape. They're making moves to try to, honestly, it's to try to keep Matt Patricia's job because this is his last shot. But this is where it gets exciting. The Texans, you're going to see them unloading, and their season's over. I mean, I completely agree. You need to trade J.J. Watt. Uh, I heard 49ers are looking at Will Fuller, so – there could be some departures from that team, but uh, we talked before Bill O'Brien got fired. He'd put them in such a rough position because they're in a great need of talent and they don't have anything to get the talent. Yeah. So this is where you're really going to see the the guys go to the forefront. I mean, hell, even the Tampa Bay signing an Antonio Brown. That's the team that's making a push for the Super Bowl this year. Yep. They know they have a window with Tom Brady that's not long because, he, you know, maybe two years with him. So they're going to win now. Seahawks getting Carlos Dunlap. They're in win now mode. Yep. So we're going to see a lot of action happening here. It's going to be an exciting weekend in NFL. For sure. Okay. Let's talk about the Cowboys, shall we? Um, you know, we talked, we talk week in and week out. Um, and again, if, if it wasn't for their name and the fact that this is the Cowboys, we probably wouldn't even be talking about them, but as of right now, and this is going to hurt for a lot of Cowboys fans, and I don't mean it bad. The only team that's playing worse than them right now is the New York Jets. Um, and they're just saying right now, especially if Andy Dalton, who got absolutely KO'd this week, if he's out for any extended period of time, they may be in a battle for Trevor Lawrence here. So uh, I want your thoughts on if the Cowboys do that, If I mean, like you said, maybe they unload some talent. Uh, they're scratching this year off because Dak Prescott's hurt. Do they go after a Trevor Lawrence or somebody in the draft and then let Dak walk? Um, 
or even maybe a Justin Fields, something like that. So here's my thought, and I'm I'm going to take all biased out of this. Um, I don't know if they necessarily go after Trevor if if they're in that position. Let's say they're in the position to get a just uh, a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields or someone like that. Um, I can't think of the kid's name, but the kid out of North Dakota State. Um, yeah, I can't remember that guy's name either, but he is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um. So if they're in that position, I don't know if they necessarily get them. Or if they use it as leverage, because right now Dak has all the leverage uh, with how the offense is played without him, despite the fact that Jerry Jones and them could go to him and say, hey, you know, listen, when Dak was playing, he had a healthy offensive line and he doesn't. Um, so d- despite that, Dak has all the leverage right now. He's got everything in his advantage. The only thing that could undercut that is if the Cowboys come to him and say, well, you know, here's the thing is. You know, yeah, we played bad without you, but we also can get Justin Fields or we can get Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you're Trey a- Lance, by the way. Trey Lance. Trey Lance, is- yeah. North Dakota State. So, you know, they could turn around and say, listen, you were a fourth round quarterback and look what we did for you. Look what we did to you. Imagine what we could do with a top five quarterback. Um, so they, they, that would gain them that leverage back. Um, I don't know if they would necessarily draft one of those guys, but they may use it as a way to lower. Dak's uh, demand Um, and what I would honestly do is I would franchise tag Dak draft Justin Fields and then I would trade Dak um, or I would trade Justin Fields to a team or I would trade that pick um, and get some you know get something big out of it get you know move down in the first round pick up another first round for next year uh, and build that draft capital that's honestly what I what I would do Um, get your franchise quarterback that's already on your team already knows the players is already established pick up more draft capital and still grab an impact player. Um, so, and have two first round picks in 2022. So um, that's what I would do personally, but um, who knows? I mean, there's, there's still, uh, unfortunately, I mean, I think this season's lost personally. Um, Cause even, even though technically if they win this week, they're right back in first place in the division. But in reality, what's going to happen if they actually make the playoffs, they're not really going to challenge anyone because they're too injured. Um, Tyron Smith's out for the year. Lyle Collins out for the year. Dak Prescott's out for the year. Uh, right now, Zach Martin's been banged up. Sean Lee hasn't played this year, but they're expecting him back in the next week or two. Maybe, uh, Leighton Vander Esch has barely played this year. Their cornerbacks, you know, their top three cornerbacks have played, I think a combined like four games or something or five games combined. Um, so, I mean, they've just been so banged up that even if they make the playoffs, they're, they're not really going to gain anything out of it. They're probably not going to challenge for a Super Bowl. So, um, at this point, I think the season's lost and it's just, it's right now it's get ready for next year, honestly, is what they should do, but we'll see. Yeah. And to me, what it boils down to, you got to think this team last year, barely, I mean, they didn't make the playoffs, but they barely got even a 500 record and all the big pieces that they really added are gone. Yep. And and they have injuries piled on top of that. So yeah. to think that this team's going to win 10 games and go on a run is not even realistic at all, no. especially without Dak. But to me, if, if you're in a position to draft one of these quarterbacks, I think you absolutely have to do it and let Dak walk. Because um, like you see with the Chiefs right now in the last couple of years, when you sign a rookie quarterback, especially one as good as they're predicting Trevor Lawrence is going to be, you have a few years to play with where you have a rookie contract and you can if you're paying a guy 40 million dollars or whatever they're gonna have to pay Dak 
it's going to be hard to build a team around him. And it's obvious at this point that they need more talent on this team, um, wherever it may be. They need to spend money elsewhere. Right now, I mean, if let's be realistic. So the last year, what they went eight games with Dak. Yeah. This year, they won one game with Dak before he got hurt. So it's not like he lost Dak and your season went down the shitter. It's been that way the whole season. So yeah, Dak and or no Dak. So at this point, to me, if you have a chance to to draft Trevor Lawrence, you do it and you let Dak walk, and then you let somebody else overpay. Yeah, and you, and you start building, and that's I think that's the biggest thing. It, is can't just sit there. They changed the coach. They brought in some other pieces and it's the same result. So I think you got to start kind of, I don't want to say a rebuild because that sounds like you got to tear the whole thing down. You got pieces there. You got Van Der Esch. You got Jalen Smith. You've got Keepy. You got Ezekiel Elliott. You got Amari Cooper. Now you got CD Lamb. Like you have pieces there. If you put a Trevor Lawrence in, I don't think you're dropping off dramatically from deck. And then you can add some more defensive players, add some of secondary, add another linebacker, defensive line. And I don't think, unlike the Jets rebuild where you got a lot of work to do, I think they're just a few key pieces away. But I, I feel like if they pay Dak what he's asking, those pieces are going to be hard to come by. Yeah, I mean, here's my thing: is if you do pay Dak, then you could basically count on eventually you're going to lose Jalen Smith or Van Der Esch. You're not going to be able to keep both of them. Um, you're going to lose probably an offensive lineman. You're probably going to lose some other guys. Uh, I mean. I, I'm I I'm okay with either either route. I mean, if they go the Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields route, I'd be okay with that because of the reason you said is, you know, they could go out and, and likely Tyron Smith's probably going to retire. Um, they'll get Lyle Collins back next year. So they'll have Lyle and they'll have Zach Martin and Connor Williams more than likely. Um, so I would take that money and I would go sign a left tackle and I'd go sign a center. Um or draft a center if you're not sure on their new on their rookie right now, um, and then I'd go out and I'd sign a, a cornerback and I'd sign a safety and I'd sign a linebacker, um, and you get all you know you fill four or five positions for the cost of one essentially, um, and so I'd be okay with that. At the same time, I'd be okay with Dak because you know as good as Trevor Lawrence is, as good as as Justin Fields is, uh, there's going to be a learning curve. And so when you come in, I mean, they're not going to come in and throw for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. Um, they're, you know, they're probably going to come in and, and struggle a little bit here and there, which is fine. I expect that, uh, Dak, you know what you're going to get. Um, so I, I'm okay with him keeping Dak at the same time too, though. Trevor Lawrence has that it factor. Justin Fields has that it factor. They seem to win the games that they're supposed to win. Um, and they don't lose the games they're not supposed to lose. Um, whereas Dak, it's kind of 50, 50. It seems like he kind of plays down to the competition sometimes, or as a team, they play down to the competition with him at quarterback. So, um, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's hard, but we'll, we'll have to see really where, where they finish. Cause I mean, right now they're like you said, they're looking like the second worst team in the league compared to the jets. So, um, uh, yeah, know, I mean, I mean, they didn't just lose to the Washington football team. They got beat handedly by the Washington football team, and they were up until that game the second worst team in the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, and, uh, and, a little rough. And here, here is my big thing too. I, I, I think a lot of the issues. I think a majority of the issues, honestly, sit on the injuries. But a, a, the other big chunk of it is is the coaching. I think Mike Nolan has to go. Um, Chris Richard should have been named defensive coordinator there anyways. Um, he's still on the roster. They, they are still on the staff. They, they need to just let him do it. Um, he should have been that anyways. Um, 
Mike McCarthy. I mean, honestly, I could see Mike McCarthy being in danger after just one year. Um, if if they come out and they only win three or four or five games uh, and they regress that much, I could see Mike McCarthy being out after one. Um, it cost the Cowboys some money, but uh, Jerry Jones may want to make a statement immediately. So um, he was criticized for for keeping Jason Garrett too long, and and he may say screw it and and uh, cut Mike McCarthy a little early, but he may do it just to make a statement. Yeah, to me, this is and this is kind of frustrating, but you know they they hire Mike McCarthy, but then he keeps the same like. I mean, he brought Mike Nolan in, but he still has some of the same defensive staff. He has the same offensive coordinator. So what did you really change? I mean, I know Jason Garrett made a couple questionable calls, but Mike McCarthy's not calling plays. Yeah. Um, maybe they need to look further than just the head coach. Yeah. I mean, I, I, they, I know they show loyalty to you know their coordinators and whatnot, but they need a new staff. I, I honestly believe it because they, they have what I like to call in Nebraska land here, Bo Pelini syndrome. They were mad because Jason Garrett could only get him nine or ten wins and win the division every year, <laughs> but not win playoff games. So they fire him and they hire a worse coach, and all of a sudden you can't even you know put a decent team on the field. So uh, not that I'm sticking up for Jason Garrett because I hated the guy as much as anyone else, but they should have went a different route. I'm not saying Mike McCarthy's a bad coach, but I just feel like hiring an old-school coach and then keeping all your same staff didn't really do anything. It just messed up the the flow and the continuity, but you kept your offensive coordinator and not say anything bad against the OC, but I mean I, I, I think Kellen Moore for the most part is a solid offensive coordinator. I was surprised that they kept him. Um but I think he's an okay offensive coordinator. Um the big surprise was Mike Nolan, honestly, because the last time he was a defensive coordinator, um, I think was for Atlanta in two thousand fourteen, where they had the worst defense or one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And now everyone's turning around, throwing up their arms, going, we can't believe he's this bad. And it's like, well, that I mean, there's a reason he went five or six years without a D.C. job. Um, and, and again, you know, we talked about this the other day. It's the Cowboys. They don't have any base like there's there's nothing for the Cowboys defense to fall back on. They basically just run all this crazy shit, hoping something works. Uh, they don't set anything up. They don't you know, they don't. um you know, they don't let the, the linebacker peak a little bit, you know, throughout the whole game, setting up a blitz and setting, you know, they just randomly blitz guys. They randomly drop guys back into zone. They randomly play man to man. There's no there's no base to their defense when they're struggling. They can't just say, hey, let's run a, a man up cover two. Uh, they have nothing like that. Uh, and, you know, I, I compared it to if Kansas City just threw the ball down the field every single play and then threw up their arms going, we don't understand how they're why none of this is working. Um, you know, it may work every, you know, a couple plays here and there, but, uh, you got to have some sort of base to fall back on. And Dallas doesn't have that. And it's a Mike Nolan issue there, um, because he just keeps running all this crazy shit. So, um, I I think Mike McCarthy or not Mike McCarthy, Mike Nolan definitely has to go. Mike McCarthy potentially has to go. And as much as I like Kellen Moore, um, I'm with you. I think, uh, if you're going to replace some of the coaches, you replace all of the coaches. So. Um, yeah, because to me, you're not changing any kind of culture. You're, you're basically maintaining the status quo. You're just replacing the figurehead. And yeah. and this is a – it's the changing of the guards. And I know some of the old school guys, like obviously Jerry Jones being 80 years old, is old school. Yeah. You hire these old school guys and they bring in their Mike Nolan buddies and all these older guys. They kept Kellen Moore, but 
I mean, the new wave is you get these young guys, even like an Eric Bieniemy. You look at like what Arizona's doing with Cliff Kingsbury. You bring in these guys that have like a unique play calling change, and especially with the pieces they had with Dak Prescott, Mari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott. If you had somebody like Eric Bieniemy, it might be real exciting to watch. Instead, you bring in an old guy who can keep the same offense going and, yeah. and expect different results. Or, you know, an Eric Bieniemy, or, or, you know, I'd be going as much, God, as much as I hate to say this. I mean, in this, I cannot tell you how much this hurts me to say, but go to Norman and say, hey, Lincoln Riley, what's up? How much money? Tell us. Give us a price and yeah. we'll double that. And being uh, the Cowboys, the America's team, they could get any coach they want. Yeah. That's the job that everyone wants. They yeah. can get it. You can imagine if they were running. Dak Prescott and all of them in the in the chief style offense where they have yeah. the pre-snap motion misdirection yep. screen game like that that those players could be great in there and instead they stick with the same thing and they bring in an old guy well it's, I hate the hire yeah. now that in, in retrospect I liked it at first but I hate the hire now uh one well, and it's it, like you said that's a job that everyone wants and imagine being the guy that turns the Cowboys into a playoff like not into a playoff contender into a Super Bowl contender imagine your status as a coach at that point and, and the sway you would have uh, of turning around America's team, you know, turning around the, the most popular franchise, the most valuable sports franchise in the entire world. And you're the guy running it. Uh, I mean, that's a tempting thing. And like I said, uh, you know, or like you said, Eric B would be a great choice. Lincoln Riley from the Sooners. Uh, I think he'd be a great choice. There's several of them out there that uh, a lot of good coaches out there um, I think would be a better choice. And not saying Mike McCarthy is obviously a good coach. He won a Super Bowl. Um, I just think they went about it the wrong way in terms of staff. If they brought in a new coach, they should have brought in an entirely new staff. Um, and, and they should have, they should have gone a different route. Like you, you know, like you said, they just brought in a bunch of old school guys, uh, to defend against a new school NFL. Uh, you know, Mike Nolan, when he was, you know, becoming one of the top defensive coordinators in the NFL, they didn't have Patrick Mahomes. They didn't have Lamar Jackson. They didn't have. Uh, Russell Wilson and those guys teams weren't thrown at 50 times a game and running all these misdirections so you know his defense may have worked 20 years ago but it doesn't work now um, so they they need to do something though yeah and, and I used to be on the the bandwagon of until Jerry Jones retires this team's not going to do good but honestly he's been infusing this team with talent they just the coaches can't do anything with it yeah. to me it's all on the coaching they need to uh, if if this season goes the way it's going, draft a quarterback, get a young guy in there that can do something with these uh, studs they have all over the offense. Yeah, build their defense up with a good defensive coordinator. Go out and do it from basically scratch. Yeah, I hate to see Mike McCarthy get fired after one year, but I think it's what needs to happen. I, yeah, I mean, if if it only gets worse and worse and worse, it it has to happen. And I mean, and and again, there's Eric Bieniemy. I think would be a great choice. I would love to see that. Uh, and I'm not saying that as a as you know a Chiefs fan. I'm saying that as I think Eric Bieniemy is a year behind already uh, in terms of when he should have got a head coaching job. So um, he deserves a head coaching job, and I think the Cowboys would be a great one for him personally. Um, or like I said, Lincoln Riley, there's, you know, you could go out and, and go swing big and go for someone, you know, offer a ton of money for someone like a Dabo Sweeney even, um, and see if you could lure him out of Clemson. Um, that would be a crazy hire, honestly. Um, but imagine if, if honestly, if any franchise could do it, I think they could. I was going to say, if there's a franchise that could do it though, it's the Cowboys and imagine the sway that Dabo Sweeney would pull in the NFL because you'd immediately have guys 
uh, all those Clemson players wanting to come to the Cowboys. Uh, and there's a whole lot of Clemson players out there. So, uh, I mean, imagine the sway that could that could pull for not only Dabo, but for the Cowboys. Uh, so, I mean, there there's some changes to be made. It's just a matter of if they make them. For sure. All right, let's go on to Trevor Lawrence here. We talked about him possibly going to the Cowboys. Uh, this week, he kind of raised some some eyebrows by people. He always said he's this done after this year. He's going oh. to the NFL draft. But this time he said, you never know. We'll have to see how it goes. A lot of things can happen before the end of the year. People think he's referencing not wanting to play for the Jets. Do you think he will? Um, I think that is is him absolutely saying, New York, if you get the number one pick, I'm not playing for you. Uh, I mean, that I, I which I don't blame him. I mean, that especially if Adam Gase stays. Um, if Adam Gase is there, I mean, I don't care who you are. Um, if you're a second round pick, I'd be saying, no, I'm good. I'm good. Trade me. <laughs> um, uh, so I think that's absolutely him saying if, if the wrong team gets the top pick or gets the, the a top two pick, uh, I'm not going, uh, I will stay at Clemson and, and I'll continue doing what I'm doing and, and building up my draft stock even more and, and waiting until the salary caps back up again and I can earn more money. And the endorsements are there even more, and I'm going to be okay. So I put this. I, I wanted to look this up because I know we've been super hard on the Jets, and and to make Jet fans happy, I looked and see how their future actually looked. If they get rid of Adam Gase, and I have to put that in there because I think he's just a cancer. I think they're in pretty good shape. And if I'm Trevor Lawrence, if Adam Gase isn't there, I'm coming out because I started looking at this. They drafted a linebacker, a running back, and a wide receiver first three or sorry left tackle running back wide receiver in the first three rounds this year they have 13 picks in the top three rounds over the next three years and if they trade sam darnold they could have you know a couple potential maybe first or second round picks so um if you had an exciting coach like we just talked about any of those guys eric b enemy whatever if you had an exciting young coach this actually wouldn't be a bad situation but I just can't – I think if Adam Gase is still there, I would definitely go back to Clemson. <laughs> yeah, if, if Adam Gase is there, absolutely. If Adam Gase isn't there and I feel comfortable with the head coach, they they get an Eric Bieniemy who I've seen what you know he's done with, with uh, Patrick Mahomes and he's a, an Andy Reid disciple, uh, that would tempt me. Um, and I know that they got a GM that sounds exciting or, or has a, a proven track record or he's just – you know, an exciting GM that's already made some big moves um, that could excite me into it. Um, but if Adam Gase is there and their GM is still there, then I say absolutely not. Um, stay at Clemson, keep doing what you're doing, uh, and wait a year. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to watch. All right, our last little bit of news. Today the NFL announced 20% capacity for the Super Bowl this year, which is going to be in Tampa Bay. That'll equal about thirteen to 15,000 people. So, this is obviously uncharted territory, which all of 2020 essentially has been. But how do you think this is going to affect the big game only having 20% of the people there? I mean, it's 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 going to be weird, obviously. Um, I, I don't know from a money standpoint how much it will affect it. I mean, obviously it will a little bit. Um, but I, I, at that point, we're going to have, you know, 20, 23 20, what, 23 weeks, 22 weeks of yep. mostly empty or empty stadium games, plus the college ones on top of that. So, uh, I mean, from a fan perspective, we're going to, I mean, we're going to be used to it by that point. We're used to it now, unfortunately. Um, 
so I don't think from a fan perspective it's going to change too much. Um, it, it it will be a little weird, um, you know, when they do the traditional kickoff and you see all the cameras flashing. Um, that's going to be a little weird because you're not going to get that. Uh, so that just from that iconic standpoint, it's it's going to be weird. But I mean, I've I've watched the NBA championship uh, or the NBA playoffs and finals with no fans and the the World Series with uh, limited fans. Um, so, I mean, at this point, I mean, it, it'll be a little weird, but you know, we're, we're used to it now. So I don't think it's a huge deal. Yeah. I think it's really going to be weird at the halftime show because usually they have fan, you know, fans around the, the whoever's performing. Oh, if yeah. they even have anyone perform, that's, what's going to be the weirdest part. Yeah. I didn't even think uh, about that. Honestly, like it, the chiefs games, cause they have 20% themselves right yeah. now. So we're looking at like how a chiefs game would be right now. And it's not bad. Like you can still hear, you know, fans cheering when something crazy happens and whatnot. To me, the the halftime show is going to be weird, and the pregame festivities, all that stuff, is going to be weird. Um, but yeah, I think the the bigger thing is financially. Those Super Bowl tickets are expensive, and that's a lot of people that aren't going to be going. Yeah. All but, right. Let's get. Into, oh yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but. Um, that's also, you know, I give or take 50,000 extra people watching it from TV, you know, from from home. So maybe they up the, uh, the marketing price Yeah, instead of 1 million for 30 seconds. How about it's 1.1 million for 30, you know, maybe they make up the money that way or so. I I don't know. I'm just spitballing there, but, uh, who knows? Yeah. If they want to give us a portion of that for that idea, you send that to gridironauthority.com. Yep, we're uh, right. Make it out to Mike Adams, not Keith Thorne. <laughs> you can make it out to Keith Thorne. That's fine too. Whatever. He's not trustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a look at some of these games this week. Let's start with the Giants Eagles. You mentioned at the top of the show here, Daniel Jones. Oh boy, uh, Giants lose by one. What'd you think of the game? Uh, it was actually a more exciting game than I thought it would be. Uh, Carson Wentz actually led a good comeback. Um, I mean, the game. I mean, it's the NFC East as much as that pains me to say. Um, so there really there there was obviously some stuff on the line in terms of first place, but in terms of overall impact, it didn't really mean much. Uh, and I'm talking in terms of playoff runs and Super Bowl uh, impact. It probably doesn't really mean much in the long term, but um, it was actually a fun and entertaining game. Uh, like we said, we had the, the Daniel Jones uh, 80 yard touchdown run or should have been. Um, and then he just tripped out of the blue, um, feet got it, you know, his upper body got ahead of him, a l- got ahead of his feet a little bit. So, um, led to some classic memes already. I've seen the, the, uh, like the Randy Orton one where he's coming out in RKO in him and, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, Derrick Henry one with him stiff arming him in the back and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, to me, it's, it, it sucks to be Daniel Jones, but man, it's made me laugh a lot. So <laughs> come on Hitt- hitting 22 miles an hour on a run though. That's pretty impressive for the that, young kid. That is surprising. I think, I think he's got the fastest play um, for what the fastest play for a quarterback this year yeah, over and that's uh, and, includes Lamar Jackson. Yeah. yeah. And he's got like two of the top four and the other two are Lamar Jackson. Um, and he's like one in three and Lamar's two and four, I believe. Uh, yeah. so yeah, that, that part is actually pretty crazy. Good for Daniel Jones. They should, they should obviously be running him a little more. All right, let's skip forward here. Look at that Cowboys Washington game. Washington wins 25 to three. I really just want to kind of focus on Andy Dalton. My God, I thought he was dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, I'll say this. If that was Patrick Mahomes, uh, God, who was the guy that hit him? Uh, John Bostic. Yeah, Bostic. Yeah, Bostic. Uh, 
if that was Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, Bostic wouldn't be playing again this season. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> gar- guarantee it. Um, and the NFL can say what they want, but they're liars. Uh, if that was Patrick Mahomes, uh, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, uh, Aaron Rodgers, anyone like that, Bostic would not be playing again this year. Probably would have been fine uh, six digits um, and a hefty six-digit fine. Um, and, and he would have been suspended the rest of the year uh, without – Without question. Uh, so that part's a little disappointing that they basically said Andy Dalton's not, you know, a big enough name to to warrant uh, a real punishment uh, for Bostic. I know he got fined, I believe. Um, I don't even know how much, but um, but yeah, so that's the, the disappointing part with that. The game itself, I mean, the Cowboys just played like shit. Um, I think at this point they're in that mindset of when something goes wrong early, it's just kind of that here we go again and they just give up. Um, that's really what it looked like in this game. Um, Andy Dalton, that injury happened, what, third, like late third quarter, early fourth quarter, somewhere around there. Actually, I think it was right before half. Was it right before half? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but but they I were mean, already they, down, I think 22 to three. At that yeah, point. yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they were getting their asses kicked already anyways. Um, so, I mean, they, they were playing like shit before Andy Dalton got hurt. Um, the defense looked really bad. I mean, they gave up. Uh, uh, 128 yards, I believe, to Pierce. Uh, McLaurin had 90 yards and a touchdown or two touchdowns or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 90 yards and a touchdown. Gibson, uh, 128 yards and a touchdown. Kyle Allen actually looked good against him. Uh, I mean, they had a field goal in the first in the first quarter. I think it was their first possession or second possession, and then literally did nothing the rest of the game. Uh, Andy Dalton only threw for 75 yards. Um, it was just a, it was a shit game for them. Good game for Washington. I mean, um, they made some progression, uh, defense looked good. Offense looked good. And now they're, you know, technically tied for, uh, or, or I guess not tied. I guess the Eagles have a half game lead over them, uh, in the division. So, I mean, they're, they're in it at least. All right, let's move on to this game here. Tell me if you've heard this one before. Falcons with a 98% chance to win the game in the fourth quarter, blow a fourth quarter lead. Surprise, surprise. Um, and, and probably the worst way possible. They scored too quickly. Yeah. Uh, Matt Ryan in the huddle tells um, the running back, God, I can't think of his name. Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley. My goodness. Yes, Todd Gurley not to score. And he runs through the, off- the defensive line and then falls into the end zone on accident. And it was kind of a hilarious sight because Todd Gurley's standing there and all the Lions players are signaling touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Matt Stafford, give him credit, drove it right down the field and threw a pass with no time on the clock to win the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, only the Falcons, you know, only the Falcons. <laughs> That's heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, I mean, only the Falcons can lose a game like that. And, and like you said, credit to Matt Stafford. Uh, I mean, Matt Stafford, I think has been a really underrated quarterback throughout his career because the lions just don't win a lot, but it's, it's never really due to Matt Stafford playing bad. Matt Stafford, I think has been a top 10 quarterback for at least the last five or six years. Um, I mean, he, he's a good quarterback. They've got some good players there. Um, you know, last year, early on, they were losing these types of games and it really put them in a hole and it it forced them to have a, you know, it kind of led to them having a bad season, uh, or not kind of a bad season it led to him having a really bad season uh, and now they're starting to win some of these games and like we talked about earlier they're making trades for Everson Griffin um, the running game's looking good the passing game's looking good Griffin could help turn that defense around and solidify it 
so it could mean, you know, potentially, you know, bright things on the, you know, on the horizon for the Lions. Yeah, I mean, they're also finding a role for DeAndre Swift, the rookie from Georgia. So they're getting him in there, letting him catch some passes, getting him some carries. He's progressed after week three, not really getting anything to the yep. last two games, having great games, and they're on a two-game win streak. So Yeah, and, and Adrian uh, Peterson still making absolutely. a big impact. So And, and uh, Galladay coming back and, and uh, really making an impact the last couple. For sure. All right, this was a fun game to watch. Steelers-Titans, two undefeated teams going head-to-head. Steelers pulled out 27-24. What do you think? Uh, I mean, Steelers look great in the first half. Titans look great in the second half. Uh, God, I can't even think of who I picked to win this game last week, to tell you the truth. Uh, I believe I picked the Steelers. Um, I I think so. But, yeah, I mean, Roethlisberger looked great. Uh, 268 yards, two touchdowns. James Conner ran the ball well. Uh, A.J. Brown for the Titans, uh, over 150 yards receiving on just six catches, had a touchdown uh, for the Titans. Um, I mean, so there, there were some really good things for both sides of the, you know, for both teams in this game. Um, but it was a tale of two halves. It was Steelers in the first, Titans in the second, but the Steelers built up just big enough of a lead uh, in that first half to hold off that push from the Titans in the second half. So, uh, but it was a fun game to watch. Yeah, I always enjoy those hard-hitting style, you know, tough running teams go against each other. It was fun to watch. Yep. All right, let's talk about the Chiefs here. So Pat Mahomes had a pedestrian 200 yards passing one touchdown, but he didn't need to do much because the Chiefs still blew out the Broncos 43-16, had a pick six, had a kick return for a touchdown. What did you think of this game? Yeah, it was it was weird because it was a, a blowout like I really haven't seen before. I mean, when you look at the the numbers, I mean, you wouldn't think that this would be a, a, a 20, 27 point win uh, for the chiefs. Uh, you think, you know, again, you know, 30 to 16, 28 to 16, somewhere, yeah, maybe a 10 to 10 to 12, you know, point win. Um, but not a, not a 27 point win. Um, cause the offense, I mean, they just didn't really do much. They didn't really run the ball very much. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, it was his first game, had six carries, I think for 39 yards. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire had a, you know, a couple had that 11 yard touchdown early. Um, but overall, I mean, they didn't really run the ball for very, you know, much at all, honestly, compared to last week. Uh, like you said, Patrick Mahomes only threw for 200 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Chad Henney came in, had a rushing touchdown. That was kind of cool to see had negative four yards rushing, but did have a touchdown. Um, so, I mean, it was just kind of a weird game because they, they put up all these points, but when you look at their offense, you kind of say, where did it come from? But they did have the punt or the kick return for a touchdown from Pringle. Uh, Dirty Dan Sorensen had that interception return for a touchdown. So, um, I mean, it, it was a good good game on offense, great game on defense, great game on special teams. Uh, I mean, it's chiefs are, are hitting their stride and I mean, they're showing that even if the offense has uh, a pedestrian game, not a bad game, just a pedestrian game that they could still put up a ton of points on you. And it was weird because the chiefs also lost the time of possession by quite a bit because they just didn't have the ball. It's like they drove the Broncos would drive down the field a little bit, fumble it. And then they drive down the field, pick six, and then they drive down the field and then get a field goal, then kick off return for touchdown. Like it was, uh, it was kind of just really weird. The Chiefs' offense didn't really have the ball that much, but they didn't. I mean, if it's still when you look at it, the Chiefs' defense or the Chiefs' offense still put up almost thirty points. Yep. So, if you take any team and say, "Hey, we're gonna have the offense put up thirty points," that's a pretty good week. 
And the Chiefs did that and didn't even really have to try. They just kind of did it. And I'm going to say this, and it's going to probably piss a lot of Broncos fans off. And I don't mean this in, you know, a, a, a sense that I'm trying to make you mad, but Drew Locke ain't the guy. <laughs> Everyone's thinking he's supposed to be like Justin Herbert or Pat Mahomes. This guy wasn't even a first-round draft pick. He showed off exactly what everyone thought he was coming out of college, which is why he wasn't a first-round pick. He stepped up in the pocket, had tight ends wide open, 10 yards down the field, throws a 40-yard bomb in a triple coverage. Um, he runs to the sideline and just bombs it deep. He's just trying to do too much, and he's not reading the field very well. And that's what the a lot of the complaints were about him coming out. I mean, they, they basically were like, hey, this guy's not a great decision maker. He's got all the arm talent in the world. Um, he missed some overthrows, but he's just not reading the defense very well. So two games back this year, no touchdowns, four interceptions, barely completing 50% of his uh, passes. So, you know, it, but the thing is, he's. I'm not saying that he's not doing fine for a second-round draft pick, but don't think he's supposed to be the Patrick Mahomes of your team. He might not be your guy. Um, I mean, here's my thing on Drew Locke, um, where Patrick Mahomes succeeded uh, in – is that he had Alex Smith to set behind. Um, he had Alex Smith to set behind for a year, had no pressure on him to start for that year because Alex Smith was playing so well. Um, he also had Andy Reid, who, who's been an offensive genius, going to be a Hall of Fame coach um, to learn from and to be taught by. Uh, and he had Matt Nagy um, as his, you know, as his OC. Uh, he had Eric Bieniemy was on the staff at that point. Uh, I mean, they had, they had a, he had a great quarterback to sit, to learn behind and a great coaching staff to teach him, uh, drew lock. Who was it last year? Joe Flacco, mm -hmm. um, who basically did the same thing he did in Baltimore and was like, I'm not going to teach the guy. Um, and then he had, you know, their, their head coach is a defensive coach. They don't really have too much off, you know, great, well-known, well-respected offensive coaches on the staff. Um, and then they're also missing Cortland Sutton, who's their number one receiver. So, um, I mean, Drew Locke, he's a guy, honestly, to me, he, you shouldn't have even considered starting him for the first two years. He needed – you should have brought in a legit veteran quarterback, a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick, a, you know, even having a guy on your team that doesn't necessarily start but could teach someone like a Josh McCown, um, just having him in the building and teaching Drew Locke and learning, uh, you know, from guys like that. Um, for two years is what Drew Locke needed, um, and and he's obviously not getting that because um, he needed to learn how to be patient, how to read the field, how to make those those good decisions that everyone questioned while he was at Missouri. Um, he needed that time, and he hasn't gotten it so far. I'm not saying he can't eventually learn that, but um, they got to do something different with Drew Locke at this point. And I'm going to say this. He's not going to with the staff that they have because to me the biggest problem with the Broncos – Vic Fangio hire never should have happened. No. When a guy's 60-something years old, he's not a head coach, there's typically a reason why. Um, and then when you hire the old guy, he comes in, first thing he does is, i got to hire a guy that's got the Gary Kubiak system. Well, that's such an outdated system. Look how it's working in Minnesota right now. Yeah. Vikings offense is pitiful. They It sucked under the Broncos when Peyton Manning was in there. Everyone has this Peyton Manning high, but just like we've seen Adam Gase and all these guys who Peyton Manning – you know, played under Peyton Manning was a coach on the field. It, you know, when they called a play in, he didn't like it. He could change it. He could call out protections. He could hot route people. Drew Locke doesn't do that. He can't do that yet. Cause he's only played eight games. Yeah. Um, 
So I think people put too much stock in the Gary Kubiak type of thing. So then they, they get rid of their offensive coordinator from last year. And what's the head coach do, the old school guy? Let me get Pat Shermer. Yeah, that worked out because uh, he was so great in, in New York. I mean, this is a, this is a team that has the talent, kind of like the Cowboys. They need an exciting offensive play caller. The boring old run, play action, bootleg, that doesn't work anymore, and they need to get past that. Uh, the defense is playing well. I'll give them that. Without Von Miller, the defense is actually playing good, but it doesn't matter when your offense can't do anything. Yeah, well, and I, and I think that offense can still work, but you have to have that veteran court. You got to have that Drew Brees, that Peyton Manning, that Aaron Rodgers. Like with quarterbacks like that, that offense is fine. Like you're gonna because those guys, like you said, they can they can tweak the offense on the field as they see it. Um, but with someone like Drew Locke, who's only got eight starts, I mean, it's basically, hey, we're calling in a play, and you're gonna run the play. Don't change it. Um, don't hot route. Don't audible. Don't do anything. Don't change protection. Uh, we call a play and you run it and he doesn't have the ability to change it like some of those guys did. So, um, I mean, that's, that's where we're seeing the issue at it. And again, I think he just, he never really got to, you know, if you're a second round quarterback, you shouldn't come in and start right off the bat, uh, or you, or your first season. Um, and I honestly, most of the time, I don't think you should start your first two years. Uh, you should sit and you should learn and you should learn how to play the game and, and read the defense and, and do all this, these, you know, things an NFL quarterback needs to do, especially when you're coming from a system like Missouri, where it's basically just kind of a read option the entire time and, and bomb it downfield all the time. So, um, I mean, he needs that guy and they just don't have that. And Pat Shermer is not the guy to teach him. I will say this about the chiefs in the Broncos defense, the chiefs offense and, and just their team in general has a way of making coaches stupid. Yeah. Um, you see it with last year, the Texans, you know, faking punts in the playoffs when they were already way up on the th- it just makes them do stupid things. John Harbaugh going for two after every play because you know you got to get all those points against the Chiefs and it costs them in the end. Yeah. Uh, a good example of that is this drive. They're running it down the Chiefs' throat. They really did run the ball well, especially with Philip Lindsay. Yeah. And then halfway through a drive that's going great, they try a flea flicker. And Melvin Gordon gets the ball, offensive line gets pushed into his back, and he throws the ball five yards over Drew Locke's head into the drive. Yep. Um, all you have to do is just keep going. And, and and I love it because, honestly, the Chiefs don't have to do anything. They just scare the crap out of coaches, and they just make them dumb because they think, oh, i got to come up with a trick play here or something, even though you're running the ball right down their throat and you're moving it down the field. Yep. At that point, I think they had three, four first downs on that drive, and they're going right down the field. They're at midfield, and they try to bust out a flea flicker, and it blows up in their face. And you see it time and time and time again. Just because you're going against the Chiefs, you don't have to go for it every single time on fourth down, even in your own territory. You don't have to fake punts and do all this crazy stuff. Just play the game. I mean, uh, I guess that's a, more of a plus to the Chiefs than it is a hurt on the Broncos there. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the Patriots. They are bad. Whether it's COVID or whatever, Cam Newton does not look like the same player. They lost the 49ers 33-6. Cam actually went to the bench in the game at one point, and he's even saying, like, if I keep playing like this, I'm going to lose my starting job. What do you think is going on with the Patriots? Um, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to say. I think part of it is COVID. Um, that's playing a, 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 at least a small factor into it because Cam Newton missed, what, a couple games, and Stephon Gilmore missed time, and – uh, uh, Sony Michelle's been hurt lately. I think he went on IR. Um, and so, so COVID and some injuries are playing a factor into it, but then they've also just looked bad. I mean, if you watch Julian Edelman, he, 
<clears throat> he almost looks like he has no interest in even wanting to be there. Um, he just looks depressed on the field and, and his, his skills, um, just don't look the same. I mean, he, we, we kind of joked around about how bad Jared Stidham played against the chiefs when he came in. But, uh, one of those interceptions was, was 100%, uh, Julian Edelman's fault, uh, when he threw it right to him and it bounced, I mean, straight up bounced off his chest and went right to the chiefs. So, um, I mean, the receivers aren't playing well. Uh, Harry is, is, is just not looking good. Uh, the running game actually looks good, but now everyone's realized they can't pass the ball, so now they're just stacking the box and shutting down the run. Um, so they got to do something to open up the the passing game, and whether it be going out and getting someone like an AJ Green or or swinging big for a Julio Jones or someone like that, um, they got to do something to open up the passing, you know, to open up the passing game so they can keep running uh, the ball like they were early in the season. But um, they just, I mean, they're just not looking good though. Yeah, and part of the crazy thing, I want you to listen to these uh, good old stats here. Cam Newton, 9 of 15 for 98 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions. So they bench him. Mm-hmm. Jerry Sidham comes in 6 of 10 for 64 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. Mm-hmm. Their leading rusher had 10 carries for 58 yards. <laughs> yep. And it was just downhill from there. I mean, this is, uh, this is as bad as they played in a long time. And when you look at like what he's doing this year, Cam Newton has – 969 yards, two touchdowns, and seven picks. Yeah. He's playing just awful. And I remember after week two, everyone's like, every team that didn't sign Cam Newton should get an F for the offseason grade. Well, apparently not. I don't think he's – anytime you get beat out by Kyle Allen for a starting job, it's usually not very good. Even though it started due to injury, they'd even talked about like, oh, we're not going to bring him back even when he's healthy over Kyle Allen. And obviously we've seen Kyle Allen's not that good. <laughs> so yeah. I think Cam Newton is honestly better as a running back than he is a quarterback at this point. He runs the ball. Well, he's a big yeah. guy, but he just isn't passing at all this year. And, and I've watched a couple of his games and even a 10 yard pass, it looks like he's throwing a dart. Like he's trying to throw it as fast as he possibly can. And it's just, it looks painful to see him throw. So I don't know if he's still injured, what's going on, but uh, it's going to be, Interesting to me to see how the season turns out with him. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's go to the Sunday night game. This is a real fun one. Seahawks Cardinals. Um, honestly, we talked about Russell Wilson being the MVP so far, but he really cost him the game. Throwing a pick in overtime. What do you think of this one? I mean, like you said, this was a great game. It's a fun game to watch. Um, it was a statement game by the Cardinals. Um so far in the in the NFC West, it's it's basically been the Seahawks and the Rams, um, and then everyone talking about you know how mixed the 49ers have looked, um, and and everyone's been saying, oh well, you know, hey, it's cute that the Cardinals are off to a four and two start or a three and two start, or you know that that's that's fun and all, but they're not a for real team, and this just signaled that they're a for real team. Um, they beat them on Sunday night football in front of a national, you know, national television crowd um, a week after they dismantled the Cowboys in, in their first Monday night game in a couple years. Uh, so now nationally, people know that this team is for real. Um, they could put up points. They could play solid defense. Um, they intercepted Russell Wilson three times, uh, including in the playoff or in the uh, in overtime. Sorry, uh, and that was after. Russell Wilson threw that that touchdown to DK Metcalf that was called back. Um, so I mean, it was a statement game by the by the Cardinals. Uh, 
the running game looked good for the Cardinals. Kyler Murray looked great. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins looked great. Uh, just a huge statement for them. The the Seahawks, I mean, they were bound to lose a game at some point, uh, and they still played a great game. I mean, Russell Wilson still threw for almost 400 yards, ran for over 80 yards, had three touchdowns. Tyler Lockett, I mean, unreal stats, put up 15 catches, 200 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, so, I mean, the, the Seahawks still played a hell of a game. They just got outplayed in the second half, honestly. So, uh, great statement win by the Cardinals. And and if you're going to lose a game as the Seahawks, this isn't a bad one to lose. So, um, you'll regroup and you'll pick up the pieces and you'll come back better next week. Yeah, and honestly, to me, this is the blueprint we've been talking about this whole episode. Kind of the theme of this episode for Cowboys, Broncos, Jets. Look what the Cardinals did. They hired the young offensive mind. They even gave up on an early, you know, like the Jets would have to do with Sam Darnold. They gave up on a draft pick. They drafted a quarterback that was athletic, that they liked in their system. And and really quickly, they've turned this thing around to where they're a contender in this division. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I like watching the Cardinals play. I mean, they, they've got some exciting players on defense uh, with Buda Baker, um, Peterson, uh, God, who's the linebacker, the rookie linebacker that they have is Simmons. Is it Simmons? Yep. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, they've got some exciting players on defense and then the offense adding Deandre Hopkins has completely changed this offense. Uh, and Christian Kirk, Christian Kirk has been on fire this season. Uh, he was a guy I remember when he came out a couple years ago out of Texas A&M, uh, I was actually hoping the Cowboys were going to draft him in the, you know, he was that borderline first, second round pick, and he ended up going in the second to the Cardinals. Uh, but I was actually hoping the Cowboys would draft him when he came out a couple years ago. Uh, and he's been kind of a, a miss a little bit up until this year. But man, I mean, he he has been on fire uh, this season and especially the last couple weeks. Uh, so when you add him. Uh, when you add him as a threat, that's going to open up DeAndre Hopkins even more. Hopefully, uh, Kenyon Drake comes back. I know he got knocked out of this game. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back pretty quick. Uh, but the defense looks great. Offense looks great. I love seeing Kingsbury succeed. Uh, you know, I'm a Longhorn and TCU guy, but um, I have no issue with Texas Tech. I always liked watching Texas Tech play. I like Cliff Kingsbury. I remember watching him in college when I was a, you know, a young man. Uh, and even watching him when he was in New England um, a little bit. So uh, I, I, there's really nothing to not like about this team. I like how much fun they're having. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a video out there. Uh, he snapped the ball. Kyler Murray looks over to the left, sees DeAndre Hopkins one-on-one, and he just smiles from ear to ear and just drops a touchdown dime in there. Yep. It was probably the funniest thing. Like He's literally laughing like, oh, man, he's wide over. He's one-on-one. And throws yeah. it. I mean, it was a tight coverage. Just a great throw, great catch. But DeAndre Hopkins is like a vacuum cleaner. If it's anywhere near him, he's going to get that ball. Yep. So uh, again, kind of puzzling why the Texans let him go, but that's uh, obviously why Bill O'Brien's not employed there anymore. Yep, for sure. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at this week's games. This is kind of exciting here. Um, Falcons, Panthers tomorrow night. Who do you got? Ooh, uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Panthers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go Panthers only because the Falcons tend to lose games the only, <laughs> way, the only way they know how in spectacular fashion. Um, there's there's word that Christian McCaffrey is a long shot to play, but he could potentially be back. Um, if that's the case, then I'm definitely going the Panthers. But um, I just kind of like how the Panthers are playing compared to how the Falcons are playing, honestly. So uh, I'm going I'm going Panthers. 
Yeah, I mean the Panthers even they put up twenty four points against the Saints, but I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Falcons here. I, I really like what I, Todd Gurley is actually surpassing what I thought he was gonna do this year with his arthritic knees. He's playing pretty well, yep. and obviously the offense is not a problem at all. It's the defense, and and I I've said it all year. I just I'm not a big fan of the Panthers right now, but Christian McCaffrey could obviously change this whole thing. They did say he showed up with a red jersey, which indicates he's injured. And he took it off, and when he left practice, he was in a regular jersey. So he is at practice working out. Long shot to play, but if he does play, it could get more interesting. But I'm going to go with the Falcons. Okay. All right, we got Vikings and Packers. Who do you got? I'm going Packers. I mean, Vikings have not looked great this year. They've had a couple games where they looked really good, but, um, you know, lost one of those, won one of those. Um, But the Packers, I mean, outside of that Tampa Bay game, they've looked I mean, damn near unstoppable. Uh, there's there's rumor or report, sorry, saying that Aaron Jones may not play again. Um, but Williams played a pretty good game in, in his stead last week. So um, I like what the Packers are doing. Um, I think this is a probably a blowout win by him. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Packers easily win this one. The Vikings, just I think they are going to have Dalvin Cook this week, but I don't think that matters that much. I think the Packers get this one done. Yeah, they still have Kirk Cousins. So. That's true. There's always that. <laughs> How about Titans Bengals? Um, I mean, you got to go Titans on this one. Um, I like how the Bengals are playing. They're pl- outside of that Ravens game where they got blown out. Um, I mean, most of their games have been pretty close this year. Um, but I mean, the the Titans are coming off a loss to the Steelers. They're going to be pissed off. Uh, they're going to be wanting to run up the score a little bit. So uh, I think this is Titans, and I think this is probably a ten point game. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I I do like what Joe Burrow's doing. He's actually putting up hellacious stats really i mean just he's really playing well but yep. and we said it before the season it's it's not a surprise we just want to see progression and and like we said it's going to take more than getting joe burrow to turn this team from a the number one pick to a decent team so yeah um, especially when there guys like aj green clearly you're not bought into the system and don't like it there so um, even then yeah titans win this by at least 10 points this one's going to be close here. Jets and Chiefs. Who do you got? Uh, upset pick here. Uh, <laughs> uh, nah, I mean, obviously, obviously, I'm going with the Chiefs. Uh, and, and I expect a heavy dose of Le'Veon Bell because he's going to want to uh, – I, I feel like he's going to want to prove a point to Adam Gase. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even be surprised if you see him staring down the sideline at Adam Gase uh, after a big play. Um, I mean, Chief, Chiefs sh- should win this game by – three touchdowns yeah and i'm gonna tell you this if you're not a gambler then this probably doesn't mean much to you but the odds open to this game as maybe the largest ever for a football game chiefs were favored by 21 Um, typically they don't do more than two score odds because it'd be super easy to cover if you know you were betting on the jets and you wanted them to cover the spread they would do it but the chiefs are favored by 21 points and i think that they're going to actually exceed that yeah uh, I mean, they beat the Broncos by 27 points, and the Broncos have a top 10 defense. I honestly think they do. Yeah. So the Jets don't have that at all, and they have an even worse offense. So I got the Chiefs big in this one, especially I'd like to see Le'Veon Bell play well. But the thing is, and and this is my theme for the season, and I know a lot of Chiefs fans don't like it. I don't care how they win. <laughs> I don't care if it's defense. I don't care if it's running the football. I don't care if Pat Mahomes has 500 yards. Uh, the good thing and the thing that makes the Chiefs as dangerous as they are this year is that they can win anyway. Special yeah. teams, defense, offense, running the ball, passing the ball, whatever they got to do, they can win. So I've got the Chiefs in this one. 
Okay. Colts Lions. Ooh, ah, man, that's actually a pretty. That's a pretty tough that game. One. Might be more entertaining than it looks on paper, honestly. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna go. Hmm. I'm gonna go the Colts. Um, I do like how the Lions are playing. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do like how the Lions are playing. Um, but I, I just I like the Colts defense. Um, I like the Colts running game. If they can build up enough of a lead to to really rely on the running game, I like what they're doing. Um, I mean, it it really kind of depends on how Philip Rivers plays. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day, they are four and two. Um, they are winning some games. Uh, the Lions, I think, are playing really well this season, but uh, I'm taking the Colts. I'm going to go Lions. I'm going to go Lions because I'm still not sold on Phillip Rivers. He's having just a pedestrian season, like normal, honestly. And the Lions, Lions are they're playing well. They won't have Everson Griffin for this game, I don't believe, because I think they have to go through pro, or COVID protocol for at least a week. So, yeah. But I, I like DeAndre Swift and Adrian Peterson. And Matt Stafford is uh he's gaming right now, so I like him. I'm gonna go Lions. All right, you're wrong, but okay. This is gonna be one hell of a game here. Steelers, Ravens, who do you got? Ooh, man, that is that's that's probably game of the week candidate right there. That's that could be. Yeah, that's that probably is honestly the game of the week. Right next to uh, Cowboys Eagles, game of the week right here. I was gonna say, how is that actually not uh <laughs> how is I don't that know. not a primetime game? Um oh, I did hear, by the way, that this game, the next next game is going to be Thanksgiving. They're playing the third Thanksgiving game this year. Steelers Ravens are. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that, that that's good then. Uh, maybe that's why, because I was going to say, who decided the Buccaneers Giants were a good was a good match? <laughs> yeah, I'm no kidding. <laughs> um, or the Eagles Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, dumbasses. Uh, <laughs> bunch of hack team, bunch of trash birds out there is what it is. Uh, man. I'm I'm gonna go the I'm gonna go the Ravens. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the Ravens. Uh, Steelers, honestly, ha- they're undefeated. So I mean, I think they're the only undefeated team left in the NFL. If I they are, yeah. NFL.com's number one ranked team right now on the power uh, rankings. Well, you know they're never wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the Ravens. I, I do like how the Ravens are playing outside of that that Chiefs game where they kind of got their ass kicked a little bit, but. Uh, I know the Steelers are playing well, but they're they're they've had a couple questionable games uh, against bad teams where they barely won. That still leave a little question in my mind. Uh, and the the Ravens, I mean, they're just they're just kicking ass for the most part. So uh, I am going to go the Ravens on this. I like how they run the ball. Um, if they can get a few passing plays with Lamar Jackson in there, uh, the defense is still playing lights out. So uh, I'm going to go the Ravens. I'm going to go Steelers. I like the the hard hitting style, and I think if they can, uh, oh man, it, it's tough because the Ravens they lost to the Chiefs, right? Then they come out and they blow out the Jets, or sorry, yeah, the Jets, which obviously is it the Jets? All right, let me let me look this up real quick. Yeah, so they come in, they beat up a crappy team, then they go to the Eagles and almost lose. They have to have a comeback against the Eagles. Yep, Steelers have been looking good all year long. I think the Steelers. I mean, beating the Titans, which is another physical run-first team. I really like the Steelers here, um, and and I think it's more on their defense than it is their offense. Although, I, I would say if this was primetime, it would definitely be the Steelers because I feel like Lamar Jackson underperforms there. But being a noon game, Jackson should have a good game. I'm picking the Steelers here. Okay. How about Rams and Dolphins? Tua's first start, by the way. Uh, 
I mean, I'm going to go the Rams um, because it is Tua's first start. Um, I don't know if it was the wisest decision to put Tua in his first game against Aaron Donald. Um, probably not the best idea, uh, especially knowing that you're going to have to actually score a decent amount of points to be able to beat the Rams. They do have a good offense. Um, they kind of got that running back by committee. Uh, Henderson has has taken over mostly the lead role in it, but they do still have a bit of a committee there. Uh, they throw the ball well, run the ball well. They got the best third down receiver in football with Cooper Cup. Uh, Aaron Donald still the best defensive player in the league. Uh, a couple other good defensive players out there with Jalen Ramsey, guys like that. Um, I think just talent wise, they're far superior to the Dolphins. Um, and, and so, and and it is to his first start. So I'm going to go the Rams. Yeah, I think if I was Brian Flores, I probably would have looked ahead at the schedule and been like, okay, I don't want my injury-prone rookie quarterback starting his first game against Aaron Donald. But, yeah, um, yeah so I, I got to take the Rams just strictly because uh, even at Alabama, you don't play guys like Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's not like anyone else on earth. That dude's a freaking – I don't even know how to explain it. He's like an alien. Dude's a freak. Yeah. He's like 300 pounds almost, but he's solid muscle and has like an eight-pack. I don't even understand how that's possible. Uh, it's kind of like me as i say yeah oh you yeah. gotta do it physical it. specimen yeah but yeah rams win this one easy i think <laughs> how about patriots bills patriots looking for a bounce back bills have had some you know they got beat handedly by the chiefs and then they go in they barely beat the jets which is insane 18 10 last week so patriots bills who do you got uh i'm gonna go patriots in this game i i do love the bills i love josh allen uh, Jerry Hughes had a huge game against the Jets last week. I think he was named AFC, uh, AFC defensive player of the week. It was like six tackles, two sacks, interception, force fumble, uh, TCU horn frog, by the way. Um, I mean, they, they, they barely beat the Jets, but they, they won. I mean, it, it a wins a win at the end of the day. Um, I do like Josh Allen. I love the defense still. They haven't played quite up to par, but they're getting better. Um, but I, I think this is, this is that signature game for Bill Belichick. Every time we, we say that's it for the Patriots, they always seem to bounce back and remind us that, no, it's not it. Um, I think that's going to happen this week. So I'm going to be that guy to say, this is it for the Patriots. <laughs> I think the bills have this one. I mean, Kim Newton's done literally nothing this year. Bill's defense isn't bad. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like super good. They, they looked good last week, but that's against the jets. I think anyone could probably look good against the jets. But Patriots, I just, they just got anything going on, especially if they end up trading Stephon Gilmore or anything like that. Like they don't got a whole lot going on, and the and then Cam Newton's playing bad. I think the Bills get this one. Okay. Raiders Browns, who do you got? Baker Mayfield coming off of a five touchdown game, by the way. I'm going Raiders. Um, the Raiders played played the Buccaneers really tough last week up until the fourth quarter. They let it go in the fourth quarter. Um, but I like what the Raiders are doing. Uh, I don't trust Baker Mayfield at this point, and they lost Odell Beckham Jr. for the season to a torn ACL. Um, so they lost a weapon right there. Um, if Maybe if they can run the ball, I think that they have a pretty good shot. Um, but I'm, I'm going the Raiders. I, I just like what they're doing. I don't know. I'm going to go Raiders too because Baker Mayfield has this pattern in his career. Play shitty. The media says he's not the guy for you. He comes out, plays well enough to shut him up for a week, comes back out, struggles. It starts all over the cycle. Um, and the Raiders, you know, obviously they ran into the buzz, buzz saw known as Tampa Bay this last week, but uh, they beat the Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champs, and they've got the talent to get it done. So I think the Raiders win this one. 
Yeah, yeah. They're just looking for consistency and exactly. And, uh, yeah, I think they'll they'll get there eventually. Honestly, both these teams are looking for consistency. So, <laughs> yeah, if the Browns can play decent, you know, week in and week out. They might have something there, but yeah. How about Chargers Broncos? I'm going Chargers. Um, I just I I gotta say I love I love everything about Justin Herbert. Um, I mean, this kid is playing absolute phenomenal football right now. Uh, if you think he's not the rookie of the year over Joe Burrow, at least in terms of quarterbacks, um, I don't think he's rookie of the year, honestly. Um, but in terms of quarterbacks, if you, if you put Joe Burrow ahead of Justin Herbert, you're insane. Uh, absolutely insane. Uh, I love what Herbert's doing. Uh, I like what the chargers are doing. Um, I mean, there's going to be a little motivation for Melvin Gordon, I think to run the ball pretty well against, against the chargers, but um, I just don't think the Broncos are going to have enough offense to keep up with them. So I'm taking Chargers. I'm going to take Chargers too. Uh, I know that the Broncos defense is going to put a little bit more pressure on Justin Herbert than he's seen. But man, I I can't I can't undersell how much I underestimated this kid <laughs> when he was coming out of the draft. I thought it was going to be like okay, maybe next year he'll be okay. He's come out and looked really good year one. Sadly, Tyrod Taylor had to take the the self-inflicted injury from the team to get it done, but Justin yeah. Herbert's looking really good, and I just – Drew Locke's struggling right now. He's not reading defense as well, and when you got a guy like Joey Bosa coming down on you, it's going to be real tough. So yeah. I got the Chargers. All right. And by the way, let's take this break here and say you're going to want to tune in next week because we're going to go over our year or mid-year awards. Rookie of the Year, MVP, two Defensive episodes. Player of the Year. Two episodes. Two episodes. It's going to be fantastic. How about the Saints and Bears? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go with the Saints. Um, they're barring a trade, they should have Michael Thomas back. Um, the offense has started to look better. Uh, Alvin Kamara has has played lights out this year. The defense is playing great this year. Um, and, and honestly, I mean, the, the bears offense has actually looked statistically has been worse with Nick Foles, uh, than it was with Mitch Trubisky. Um, they're, they're getting less, uh, less yards per game, less first downs, less points. Um, there's really nothing that they're doing better with, with Nick Foles, uh, that they were doing with, with Mitch Trubisky. Even Nick Foles, um, was calling out Matt Nagy this last week about his play calling. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a Nick Foles issue. I do think it's a Matt Nagy issue. And we've talked about that last year or uh, this year about how last year, you know, we, we didn't necessarily think uh, Trubisky regressed. We thought it was a Matt Nagy regressed uh, and it's, it's gotten worse this year. So they're winning games uh, and it's helping my prediction because I did predict them to win. Uh, we'll go over that again next week. Um, but I just, I don't think that they have the offense to keep up with the saints. So I'm going to go saints. Yeah. I'm going to go saints too. And, you never know. You know it's never good when your head coach says, "I'm looking at my play calling and it looks fine." I think it's not the problem. I'm like, when you have to basically evaluate your play calling and see if you're the problem or not, you're probably the problem. Um, Matt Nagy needs to hand play call duties off to somebody else and focus on being a head coach. And I know that that's hard, but yeah, uh, clearly it's not working. And and what Nick Foles is kind of saying is he knows that when Matt Nagy calls a play in, he'll know it won't work because he won't have time to throw it. So basically he's calling in long developing routes when the offensive line can't block long enough. So that's basically saying he's not, it's not necessarily play calling. It's situational awareness. He's 
calling for deep passes when you need to be calling screenplays or dumping it off because your offensive line is not good enough. So um, it's, it's a, it's a look in the mirror and assess yourself kind of thing. But at some point, Andy Reid's had to go through that in his career too. You got to just hand the play call duties off and worry about being a head coach for right now. Yep. All right. 49ers Seahawks. This division has been hella fun to watch this year. So is this going to be another fun game? Who do you got? I think it will be a fun game um, for as much shit as we talk on the 49ers. At the end of the day, they're still four and three. Uh, they're three and oh on the road. Uh, Seahawks are three and oh at home. Uh, so something's got to give here. But I am going to give it to the Seahawks because they're again, they lost last week, but they played a hell of a game. Uh, they're going to come in pissed off. You know, Russell Wilson's not going to have back to back bad games. Uh, he's going to come in probably attempt to light up the 49ers. I think that he's going to succeed, honestly. Uh, DK Metcalf had a bad game last week. I think he's going to be looking to bounce back. Uh, Tyler Lockett had a stellar game last week. I think he'll be looking to improve on that. Uh, so I, 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 I'm going to go with the Seahawks on this. Um, and again, the 49ers haven't played as bad as we, we make it seem like they've played. But I, I think this week it, they're going to lose by a good 10 points. Yeah, I'm going to go Seahawks too. They, they're kind of on that Chiefs level, but in a different way where they have all these offensive weapons. Like DK Metcalf, he's just a totally different type of wide receiver. Unlike a lot of things you see, he's yeah. big. You saw him chase down Buda Baker on that pick, what was going to be a pick six, till he chased him down out of nowhere and tackled him. Yep. The dude's got insane speed, size, everything. And then you got Tyler Lockett doing his thing. They got a lot of talent here. If they can get, if they can ever get all the pieces firing at the same time. They can blow people out. But the thing about the Seahawks is they play up and down. They play down to their – basically every game is a Russell Wilson game-winning drive or losing drive. Yeah. So I think it's going to be close, but I got the Seahawks on this one too. Okay. All right, this one's going to hurt. Cowboys, Eagles, Sunday Night Football. Who do you got? <sighs> I, can't, I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> you know you want to. Uh, I mean – I'm trying to be as unbiased as I can, and I want to be unbiased, but I can't do it for the Eagles. I can't do it <laughs> if they were if they were playing the the the, the Seahawks again or, or whoever. I'd probably pick the Seahawks. I'd be that guy that gives up on his team for a week, um, like you did with the Chiefs uh, in the Ravens. <laughs> reiterate that you gave up on them. I didn't. Um, so I mean, I want to be that guy, but it's the Eagles, and they're a bunch of trash birds. Uh, and as as much as I like what Carson Wentz did last week, uh, and as bad as the Cowboys looked last week, I'm still going to go with them. Uh, they're going to break my heart again. I know they will. Uh, it's looking like Ben DiNucci may be starting, which is terrifying. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, saw a tweet, by the way. Somebody said, oh, my God, some guy named Ben DiNucci is the quarterbacks for the Cowboys right now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's a little terrifying. It's a lot terrifying. I'll say that. Um, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they are getting some players back this week, which is exciting. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for the Cowboys. Um, it'll be an ugly win, but they're going to win. Don't worry. I'll be that guy for you. I'm going to pick the Eagles. Jackass. Even though I feel like the Eagles might possibly find a way to lose this game, but I mean, come on, even with Andy Dalton, they'd be close, but Ben DiNucci, like. All they're gonna have to do is load the box up to shut down Ezekiel Elliott, and it's probably gonna be over. Maybe, maybe Ben's the next Tony Romo. You never know. It could you be. Know. Who knows? But for right now, I'm gonna go Eagles. Trash. All right, Monday Night Football: Bucks, Giants. Who do you got? 
Buccaneers, huge. Um, not on the same level as Chiefs Jets, but probably not far behind. I'm going to say 14 points. Uh, Tom Brady's going to put up some huge numbers. I think the the Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette are going to run all over him. Uh, I don't believe Antonio Brown will be in this game, will he? Uh, no, I think he's next week. Okay, yeah. So uh, Godwin will be out this week. Um, I think with a th- what a thumb in, broken thumb or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, so he'll be out, but I, I mean, uh, Leonard Fournette looked great last week when he's been healthy. He's looked unstoppable, honestly. Ronald Jones has looked great this year. Uh, Mike Evans has, has been looking better. Um, Tom Brady is lighting it up. You can see Gronk is starting to get his rhythm back. Uh, so that's scary news for the Giants. Um, I, you know, I maybe Daniel Jones can complete an 80 yard run this week. Who knows? Um, but that, that, it's the Buccaneers versus the Giants. Let's be honest. It's going to be a 14-point win at least for the Buccaneers. Yeah, I'm going to go Buccaneers. Um, I think the most underrated player on the Bucs right now is Scotty Miller. That guy, last game, six catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah. They're going to be without Chris Godwin, but between him and Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski, they still have enough weapons to get it done. Um, so I think it's going to be pretty – I think the, the crazier thing is going to be, who's faster, Tom Brady or Daniel Jones? That's tough. <laughs> I think yeah, I'd like to see a foot race there. Uh, yeah, hopefully they do a foot race <laughs> yeah. uh, with Tom Brady getting a ten yard head start. It could be like <laughs> even then, it might still be close. <laughs> hey, they could probably they could probably put that footage side by side with uh, DK Metcalf and Buda Baker. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Bucks easily win this one. Yep, and that's our picks for this week. Like we said, stay tuned next week because I'm really excited about this. We're going to go over our updated division predictions. Um, obviously, some of the things like Cowboys winning probably won't happen. So we will uh, revisit our picks from the first episode of the year and give you some updated ones. Got anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, just again, always yeah, this comment really made you mad. Is that what happened? Yeah, it took me a second to really process that. (laughs) I I didn't take the knife out of my back because all I've done is support the goddamn Chiefs. Uh, (laughs) I had to take take the knife out of my back there Um, and then change my pick to the Jets. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) uh, That'd be a bold statement there. Oh, God. That'd be the biggest upset of the year. That that might be one of the biggest upsets of the decade, Um, uh, of last decade, because it's kind of in a new decade now, I guess. But... um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we're going to have two episodes next week. Uh, we'll be going over the midseason picks, our rookie of the year, NFL MVP, uh, offensive player of the year, comeback guys, uh, some of those those division uh, winners, Super Bowl winners, things like that. We'll revisit them, see how confident we still are with those picks. Uh, so that's, that's a good episode to look forward to. We also have the trade deadline coming up uh, November 3rd. I, be- I believe it's November 3rd. Um, so we have that to to uh, go over next week. There'll be, I'm sure, there's going to be some more trades. We'll see if there's any blockbuster style trades like there's been the last couple years. Uh, obviously, I think this week's going to be kind of a crazy week. Uh, week eight, uh, we'll be at the midway point of the season. Uh, some big games with the Steelers and the Titans. Um, so, I mean, there's there's going to be a lot to cover next week. Um, it's going to be exciting going back to two episodes for the week, uh, like we did most of last season. Uh, so there's a lot to cover. Um, for next week a lot of exciting things happening so stay tuned i'm very excited about that and i'm also excited about starting the season zero and two in fantasy and winning five straight how are you doing in that league aren't you in the bottom two uh i had christian mccaffrey so. <laughs> i had Saquon one barkley so 
<laughs> Christian was number one. He was number one. What was Saquon? Uh, number two, I'm guessing. Yeah, number two. After, <laughs> you didn't lose the best. Uh, two, wait, isn't that where you're at from the bottom? Aren't you, aren't you like <laughs> bottom two in our other league? You know, that league doesn't is not important, really. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the top two in that league. Yeah, I don't need whatever. Stupid. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, where else can they find us? Uh, as always, uh, check us out on gridironauthority.com. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Google, uh, Google Play, Apple Music, uh, Stitcher. Uh, I mean, just really anywhere almost. Uh, so check us out on there. Give us a like. Give us, you know, follow us, subscribe, uh, keep up, leave a comment, give us a like, a reaction, uh, tell your friends about us. So uh, lots of places to check us out. Just make sure you do it. Cool. We'll see you guys next week.